Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age heroes through the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. As Peter says, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your break over the holidays. We certainly did, didn't we, Peter? Absolutely, yes. Happy New Year for 2021, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Now, as we've said in some recent episodes, our research and planning is ongoing for the podcast. And in the lead up to Christmas, Peter was doing some more digging and he's he's turned up some more stories that we're going to cover. Mm-hmm. Slightly out of the, the chronological sequence that we've been working on, but we feel they're worth covering, don't we, Pete? Absolutely, yes. So, the bulk of today's episode is going to be concerning a couple of Supergirl stories from a couple of issues of Action Comics. Yes, it's going to be a Supergirl two-parter starting in issue 272 of Action Comics and 273. But when I was looking at those stories, I came across the cover to issue 271. And it is Action Comics featuring the Voyage to Dimension X. Dimension X. It seems to be another Dimension X story. However, I did look at the story and it's not there is no dimension x in it it's actually all a big con by lex luthor to trap superman in a sphere-like spaceship and basically cast him aside while he replaces him with a hoodlum actor in the role all right which is quite fun it's a fun story but there is no dimension x in it so we will not be covering that story there we go no that's fascinating. I'd like to, have to just take a look at that story myself, just to scratch my, my yeah. own particular well, we'll Dimension the, X itch. Well, at least to post the cover of it anyway, so you know, yeah. our lovely our lovely listeners can can see that. So yes, there we go, another Dimension X, mm. which isn't. It doesn't tie in with Wonder Woman, and it doesn't tie in with anything else. You might you might be glad to know, listeners. I certainly am. <laughs> <laughs> so as we say, the bulk of today's episode covers two Supergirl stories from issues two hundred and seventy two and two hundred and seventy three of Action Comics. Um, issue 272, not really that long, I suppose, that the crow flies after Supergirl first appeared. Issue 272 was published on November the 29th, 1960, with a cover date of January 1961. And issue 273 was published on December the 29th, 1960, with a cover date of February 1961. Now, it's maybe worth telling listeners that we're recording this episode on December the 28th, 2020. So we're one day short of being 60 years... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> to the day since the story we're covering was published. Incredible. Now, doesn't that make you, doesn't <laughs> that give you a, a, a great sense of perspective and your mm-hmm. place in the world? <laughs> <laughs> so because Supergirl was not the, the main feature in Action Comics, it was essentially the backup story. There's no cover to talk about. But you're probably wondering why we're doing these stories in the first place. And mm-hmm. I suppose Pete C, see how he found them, Pete C is going to tell you. Yeah, so uh, as we said, uh, as we said at the beginning of every episode, uh, we are chronicling the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters. Now, this story features uh, a character called Marvel Man. Now, there's a massive history to the name Marvel Man, which isn't connected in any way with this version. Marvel Man is actually the British interpretation of the Fawcett hero Captain Marvel, yeah. who we will be talking about in upcoming episodes. However... Uh, we haven't come across them yet in the podcast. So what we're actually doing is talking about the copy of him that was done for British comics in the 50s, as opposed to talking about the original Captain Marvel. It's a bit odd, folks, but yeah. that's the order that's cropped up in. Yeah. So here we are. So, so yeah, I mean, 
Captain Marvel, the Fawcett version, the big red cheese, as we all know, he was licensed for publication in, in Britain, isn't that, is that right? Uh, yes, that's correct. And then it was the whole big lawsuit when DC Comics sued Fawcett, claiming Captain Marvel was a direct copy of Superman. Yes. And the result of that, we'll talk about this further in the future, mm-hmm. the result of that was that Fawcett basically stopped publishing Captain Marvel, and this, yes. this sort of edict only really applied in America. It didn't apply to the British publishers who had licensed Captain Marvel. So, That's right. But what that meant was that uh, because Fawcett stopped making uh, Captain Marvel comics, the British publisher, Len Miller, who had the license to reprint Captain Marvel Adventures, uh, was running out of material to reprint because Fawcett had stopped creating new Captain Marvel stories. So he instructed ace comics writer Mick Anglo to create a version of Captain Marvel for his own company. So what uh, Mick Anglo did in his studio uh, was create basically the same character called Marvel Man uh, without a cape. He gave him kind of like short blonde hair and he gave him his own Marvel Man family like uh, Captain Marvel had as well. He has the same, which I think is really interesting, the same features as Captain Marvel, the same little beady mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah. The same short hair. It's obviously a direct sort of copy. Very much so. Uh, I mean, there was... Yeah. I don't know how true this is because I can't find any direct evidence currently. But apparently some of the Captain Marvel stories were literally just redrawn. Uh, ah. They just literally redrew Captain Marvel as Marvel Man and re-lettered it. Right. But uh, as I said, I've not found any direct evidence of that so far. Uh, there have been Interesting. some very good books written about this. Uh, I'm reading a bit just now from Komota, The Miracle Man Companion, which was published by Two Morrows. Now, quite famously, Marvel Man um, was then reprinted in the 80s by Eclipse Comics as Miracle Man. He was brought back originally by Alan Moore uh, in the, and Gary Leach in the pages of Warrior magazine. Uh, and it was a serialised story, basically modernising him for, for the 80s. And it's kind of where the whole superhero deconstruction idea comes from. Of like, you know, breaking, sure. down, a, yes. breaking down a character, making him more mature, but self-aware, as it were. Basically bringing a ridiculous character into the real world. Warrior was a British publication, wasn't it? Yes, uh-huh. In the 80s, Deskin was the, he was the editor of it and brought a lot of great British talent to it. Yeah. So yeah, as well as Gary Leach, we also had people like Alan Davis do some great work on it as well. And then eventually Warrior stopped and as I said, Eclipse Comics started publishing it. They, they got all the serials of Warrior and uh, printed it as like American format comics. Sure. And renamed the character Miracle Man to avoid any problems with Marvel. With Marvel Comics, yeah. There was quite there was quite a buzz around it for a while, wasn't there? Yeah, there still is. We we've talked a lot about how there's the whole I mean I, I this is where I rather embarrassingly can I hold my hand up and say I haven't read any of the <laughs> the Alan Moore Warrior Miracle Man stuff. Oh, it's very Mar- good. Marvel Man stuff, I should mm-hmm. say. Do you have it, Pete? See, I can maybe take a loan of you if you do. Yeah, I've got the full run, it's great. Nice one. We we you and I have talked a little bit about how the, the treatment of um the Superboy Prime Mm-hmm. character, yeah. Superboy from Earth Prime, who we'll meet in our podcast in a very long time, but you know, his whole arc, shall we say, was kind of basically, from what I understand, ripped off of the kid Miracle Man character. Is that right? Uh, I would say it's very similar. It's very similar, yeah. There's definitely right. a, a good comparison there. Presumably Kid Miracle Man was Kid Marvel Man and he was the the, the equivalent of Captain Marvel Jr. Yeah. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, they didn't have a cool. female uh, version. They had Young Miracle Man instead. Uh, because, you know, Who Wants Girls in Comics was kind of like the <laughs> the thought behind that in British comics of the time. So, yeah. It's worth pointing out, though, and this t- to tie it into what we're talking about today, is that um, Mary Marvel, without Mary Marvel, and without Captain Marvel Jr., pr- you probably wouldn't have had 
Superboy or indeed Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Mary and Supergirl being obviously female equivalents of the of the lead characters. So you know it's it's all organic. It all feeds in. Absolutely. We will talk a little bit more probably about Marvel Man and Captain Marvel. You know, an, an episode that's coming up fairly soon. Watch out for that one, listeners. It's one that we're both very much looking forward to doing. Yeah. Other people have dipped their toe in the in the Miracle Man waters. Neil Gaiman continued writing after uh, Alan Moore left. And indeed, when Marvel got the rights, there was a Grant Morrison story that was done as well. So, yeah, right. that came out, and that was very exciting. Certainly a character there's a lot of buzz around, and basically he's just a rip-off of Captain Marvel. So we're going to kick off now with the first of the two stories we're going to look at. It's a two-part story, really. We're going to look at the story from Action Comics 272. In lieu of a cover, we have a full-page opening splash panel. With the Supergirl logo at the top, there's a tree, there's some buildings where, you know, we we can see we're actually at a zoo. And there's a, a character flying down who looks very much like Supergirl. But you could be forgiven for thinking otherwise, but if you look a bit closely, the chest emblem isn't the traditional S. And this, this blonde girl with the red cape and the blue outfit is flying down because a giant... It, it It's the stuff of nightmares, quite frankly. <laughs> a giant <laughs> creature's broken out of a cage at the zoo as she flies down, she says... That tiger rabbit broke out of its cage. This is a job for Marvel Maid. Yes, Marvel Maid. And yes, a tiger rabbit. Imagine a giant sort of rabbit with tiger stripes and sharp teeth. And it's, it's frankly, I'm worried about sleeping tonight. Anyway, it's sleeping <laughs> out of a cage and several zoo patrons are panicking and recoiling in terror. And in the foreground of the panel, we can see reacting in horror. It's our very own Linda Lee, who is the, at this point in time is the secret identity of Supergirl. Linda is thinking... Goodness, this distant world Supergirl is my exact double. She might even have a Linda Lee secret identity exactly like me. And at the bottom of the page, we have a huge big caption box which says, The pyramids are in Japan. Mount Everest is in Florida. The Panama Canal connects the Indian Ocean to the Arctic Ocean. These statements may be wrong on Earth, but not on Terra. Where, outside of a few differences, most things are an exact duplicate of our world. And when an important mission sends Supergirl to that twin of Earth, we encounter the amazing phenomenon of... The The Second Second Supergirl. Supergirl! It's a duplicate of our world, and our lead character encounters a different version of herself. Mm. There you go, listeners. Maybe that gives you a few hints as to why we're deciding to cover this one. Mm. So, into into the the story. story... At Midvale Orphanage, one day, the older girls are assigned to help out in the kitchen. And in this panel, we see Linda and a few of the other pupils helping out in the kitchen. Linda's taking something out of the oven. And as a very sort of matronly-like elder teacher with her white hair in the bun and an apron and a blue penny and all that going on. And she says to Linda, Oh dear, I put that roast in the oven too late. The hungry children will have to wait if it isn't done, Linda. And Linda's thinking, No, they won't. Caption for the next panel says, Linda Lee, who is secretly Supergirl, uses one of her amazing superpowers. And this panel shows the steam starting to come off the the roast because Linda has using her the heat of her X-ray vision to roast the meat. And this prompts the teacher to say, Why? It is soft and tender after all. We can serve it right away. It's like a, a miracle. It's interesting that at this stage they're still referring it to the heat of X-ray vision. Yeah. It's supposed to be heat vision as a separate power. Uh uh-huh. Was that not the case when we did Superman's Amazing Feats? Yes. Uh-huh. Very early they, on. They, so they haven't really established it as a separate power yet. I remember us talking about that at that point, yeah. 
And it does crop up again differently later on in the story. We'll keep our eyes peeled for that one. Yes. So in panel three, the, the matronly teacher is walking off with the roast, and in the foreground of the panel, we can see Linda looking at a newspaper headline which says, Superman saves airliner. And Linda is thinking, But my little deeds are nothing compared to the super feats cousin Superman does. He won't reveal me to the world unless I prove I'm good enough for regular patrol duty. <sighs> when will that great day come? Sigh. And then a slow fade, and the caption of the next panel says, the next day in general science class. And Linda's at school, sure enough. And it's a different teacher, a younger woman in a red outfit, and she's standing at the blackboard which has snowflake patterns drawn on it. And this teacher says, Out of Earth's millions of people, everyone has a double somewhere, they say. Similarly, out of billions of different snowflakes, two can be alike by sheer chance. And Linda's thinking, Hmm, that gives me an idea. Caption for the next panel. After a class, Linda strolls into the nearby woods to make a secret change. And this panel shows Supergirl. This is a great panel, actually. Mid-transformation, she's taking off her Linda wig. She's taking off her Linda clothes. And there's a hollow tree behind her. And uh, what looks like another version of Linda is stepping out of that hollow tree. And Supergirl's dialogue helpfully explains, My Linda robot is hidden in that hollow tree. It'll replace me at the orphanage while I visit Superman's Fortress of Solitude. His super univac can help my greatest wish come true. Slow dissolve in the caption for the next panel says, After a swift flight north to the Arctic. Supergirl has arrived at the Fortress of Solitude and we see Superman with the great big key that opens the door and Supergirl is thinking, I timed my trip to meet Superman during his daily visit here. He got the giant key which is disguised as an airplane marker from the mountaintop and is opening the fort now. And Superman says, Hi cousin Supergirl, what are you doing here? And at the top of page three now, Superman and Supergirl are now inside the Fortress of Solitude, and very oddly, rather than actually talking to each other, the conversation they have in this panel is by Thought Bubble. It's weird. It must be a mistake. Isn't it? Unless they're trying to establish that they can communicate telepathically. Yes. But that's bizarre. I've never seen that in anything before. Yeah. I was wondering if that was what it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we see Superman and Supergirl standing in front of some equipment. There's a big screen in the wall and all that, and all, all sorts of things going on. Supergirl is thinking... I want to find out if there is a double of Earth somewhere in the universe, Superman. Superman thinks back. Then pick the right photos from my collection supply data for my Super Univac computer. And the next panel shows Supergirl with a selection of photographs and she's thinking, I'll choose all the main factors about Earth, plus photos of you and me, Superman. Out of millions of planets, there could be one where another Superman and Supergirl exist. So some time has obviously passed for the caption for the next panel says, After the data is fed to the electronic computer... And we see Superman and Supergirl standing in front of a screen which shows a planet that looks very like Earth. There is some information on the computer screen about the planet which says The planet Terra around star sun X45266 duplicates most earthly phenomena including two persons with superpowers. And Supergirl says, ah, just as I hoped. I'll visit that world, Superman. It won't matter if I reveal my existence there. In the next panel she's starting to fly out of the fortress and she says if I can reveal all super feats there without any mistakes, it will prove I'm ready for my debut on Earth. And Superman says, So that's your plan, Supergirl. All right, I agree. Good luck. Now, before I go any further, <laughs> what if she'd chosen some slightly different photographs? Yes. Uh -huh. Would the computer have done a look and matched up another planet that was slightly different? Possibly. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by she this. She have ended up in one of the Legion of Superheroes worlds before, you know, a thousand years before yeah. they were a thing. I'm also fascinated by the fact that Superman's computer 
this super univac computer has the reach and the knowledge uh -huh. to actually know that there is this planet Terra, which, as we see in the next few panels, has an awful lot in common with Earth. It's very yeah. interesting. So, panel five of page three, the caption says... After the Girl of Steel speeds far across the universe... And this panel shows Supergirl zooming, obviously, at high speed through space, and she's approaching a planet which looks very much like ours. And she's thinking, There's Terra. Hmm. It's a twin of Earth, all right, except that Florida here is much bigger. And it looks like there's an extra bit of the United States just sort of poking out there. It's mm -hmm. quite funny, actually. <laughs> it looks like an eagle flying down on South America. Yeah, it's quite amusing. There's not a cloud in the sky in Terra, either. <laughs> no. When you see it from space. I have to say, I'm really impressed by the fact that she has flown, you know, to this other part of the universe. Casually, in the space of a panel. We don't know how many galaxies or star systems she's traversed, you mm -hmm. know, it's going to be very, very far away. Truly, she is indeed a supergirl. So, <laughs> the caption for the final panel on page three says, Supergirl finds there is another oddity. So yeah, in addition to the super big Florida, as Supergirl flies down into the, the planet's sort of atmos in this panel, we can see the Statue of Liberty. And Supergirl's thinking, hmm, on this world, the Statue of Liberty holds a banner instead of a torch. And sure enough, it does. And then we move to the top of page four, and Supergirl continues to fly along, and she thinks, here's another queer difference between Terra and Earth. The Eiffel Tower is in America instead of in France. And sure enough, we see the Eiffel Tower amongst, you know, what looks like some traditional American skyscrapers. Mm -hmm. So that's quite interesting. Yep. And then the next panel, she continues to fly, and we see her flying over a large building which has the sign on it saying, Macropolis City Hall. And Supergirl thinks, anyway, the people, their clothes and their language are the same as on Earth. Like this carbon copy of Metropolis City, which is called Macropolis on this world. Now, this is the point where I want to raise... I think I mentioned this to you already, Peter, in our, mm -hmm. in our preparation. The Star Trek episode, is it Miri? Yes, uh-huh. When they're out in the middle of space and they find a planet which is basically identical to Earth. And if I'm right, my memory of it, there's no explanation really given for why or how it's there. There is a thing in the original Trek, Parallel Planetary Development, I think they can refer to it as, where things would develop on planets in a similar fashion. That's why you had Mary, the planet from that. Yeah. There's the Nazi Germany episode, isn't there? And then there's one with their gangsters yeah, and there's uh -huh. a Western one and mm. all that sort of stuff, isn't it? I love that fact. It's just, you know, basically, what did they finish filming in the backlot last week that we could use this week? This slightly different but very similar planet that's very similar to Earth. Yeah. Very similar name that's down in the middle of space that really reminded me of that. So anyway, we move on to panel three of page four. The caption says, To avoid notice, Supergirl changes to Linda Lee. And sure enough, Linda has. Presumably Supergirl took her Linda clothes and gear with her, probably in a concealed pouch in her cape, I would imagine. So she's standing sort of out of sight in, a, in an alleyway, watching what's going on, and she sees a woman walking a pet and a child on what first looks as though he's on a bicycle. But Linda observes by thinking, I must learn more about this world. Hmm. I see that kids ride four-wheeled cycles here, and that lady's pet is a tiny elephant instead of a dog. And sure enough, she's got a very small elephant on a lead... And the four-wheeled bike basically just looks like two bikes have been welded yeah, together. Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> um, it's fascinating. It's mm -hmm. really interesting. So the caption for the next panel says, Even more oddly, at the nearby zoo. Yes, and this is like I was saying about the nightmare fuel from the opening splash panel. Linda is at the zoo and she observes the tiger rabbit in its cage and she thinks, Hmm, tigers are as tiny and timid as rabbits here, while that huge striped rabbit is like a fierce tiger. Gosh, right. I love how the tiger rabbit's going, grrr, 
from the cage as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, I think there's an Easter Bunny cover of the Unexpected comic, which this reminds me of. This is horrible. This should be in the cover of an issue of House of Mystery circa 1971. It really should. <laughs> the caption for the next panel says, Suddenly, a weakened portion of its cage gives way. And a man at the zoo rather helpfully here exclaims, Help! The tiger rabbit broke loose! And sure enough, this beast from my nightmares is escaping from the cage, causing Linda to think, I'd better change and stop that beast. Wait! I see a flying figure coming. It must be one of the super persons of Terra that the super univac told me about. He'll be a double of Superman, no doubt. However, the caption for the next panel says, But Supergirl meets her greatest surprise. And it's a good thing that we have Man at the Zoo to tell us. Here comes Marvel Maid. She's always on the job when there's trouble. Thank heaven. And this is obviously the, the Supergirl lookalike we saw in the opening splash panel who's flying down. This is Marvel Maid. She's flying down towards the giant scary tiger rabbit. And Linda in the foreground of the panel is thinking, goodness, she's a double of me, except for MM emblems on her costume instead of S. Her existence is not a secret here. Another difference from the way things are on Earth. Top of page five, the caption says. Swiftly, the Supergirl of Terra performs. And this is another panel which, again, is giving me the fear. <laughs> As a few zoo patrons look absolutely terrified and the tiger rabbit, with its malevolent eyes and sharp teeth and dangerously huge ears, looms over them. And Marvel Maid says... Don't worry, folks. I'll stop the tiger rabbit after I pick up the broken bars of his cage and hurl them down like spears. That'll fence the creature in until workmen repair his cage. And over the two panels at the top of page five, that's indeed what we see happening. Marvel made picking up the bars of the cage and flinging them into the ground. Linda observes in the foreground, just like Superman would do on Earth. She's good. The caption for the next panel says, Soon as admiring Terrans gather around their female heroine, and this panel shows one of the zookeepers talking to Marvel Maid. I like the journalist guy in the foreground of this panel with his big hat and his notepad and his scribbling. He's quite, he's yeah. distracted me. He's quite funny. So anyway, the zookeeper is presenting Marvel Maid with a sign from the tiger rabbit's cage. And he says, You're great, Marvel Maid. Please accept this sign as a trophy of your super deed. We'll make a new one. And Marvel Maid says, Thanks. I'll bring it to my Fortress of Marvels. Fortress of Marvels. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So, caption for the next panel says as the terran girl of steel departs earth's girl of steel follows we see marvel made flying up into space with supergirl flying behind supergirl is thinking i changed quickly this is my chance to meet marvel made in private at her fortress but why is she flying straight up superman's fortress is in the arctic on earth the caption for the next panel says high above terra in outer space and we see, how do we describe it? It's like a giant metal ball, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Huh? Giant metal ball with a hole in it that obviously looks like a lock because it bears a sign. The, the ball says, Fortress of Marvels, and there's a rock hung in orbit next to it with a giant key hanging from it. Indeed, Supergirl thinks, jeepers, her fortress is in orbit. And the giant key is hung in that radioactive satellite. No thieves in a rocket ship could use the key without getting a deadly dose of its radiations. Marvel Maid is flying towards the radioactive satellite, obviously, to collect the key. So we move to the top of page six. The caption says, As the door is unlocked. And we see Marvel Maid twisting the giant key and opening the door to the Fortress of Marvels. And Supergirl buzzes in ahead of her, thinking that she can fly in ahead of Marvel Maid at super speed. 
And then the caption for the next panel says, Inside, seeing her earthly double for the first time, Marvel Maid murmurs aloud in surprise. Indeed, we see Marvel Maid and Supergirl standing opposite each other. Marvel Maid says, Huh? I, uh, I don't remember putting a mirror there. And Supergirl says, I'm not your reflection, Marvel Maid. Let me explain all about myself. There's obviously a slow fade, a little bit of time has passed, and the caption says, After Supergirl finishes... And Supergirl says, So that's how I came to Earth, Marvel Maid. Did you also escape from Krypton before it exploded? No, Supergirl. I was born in an underground city that once existed in a giant cavern at the centre of this world. So the next few panels are obviously narrated by Marvel Maid. There's a little ripple effect around the panels and we see a little insert of her face. She narrates the details of what's going on. So she continues her story. But like her world of Krypton... Our great civilization was also doomed. In this panel, we have a subterranean civilization here. It's like a city almost at the centre of the earth, I'm guessing. It's very, very Edgar Rice Burroughs. There's a giant pink orb floating above, which is putting me in mind of Pellucidor and all that. And giant orb, but there's some energy coming from it. And we see a voice coming from one of the buildings in this subterranean city. And the voice says, Look, the roof is cracking. Then Jalkor the scientist was right when he predicted our cavern world would collapse. Marvel Maid's narration continues. Jalkor was my father, and he worked day and night to save me, his daughter. And then in a, the inversion here of the, the classic sort of Superman escaping from Krypton here, instead of a spaceship flying away from the planet, there's a small spaceship-like device with a, a boring drill at the front of it that's starting to dig through the, the rocky surface above Marvel Maid's parents who are standing on the the roof of a building as the rocks start to fall around it and Marvel Maid's father says that small rocket borer will bring our baby safely to the upper world the rest of us must perish and Marvel Maid's mother very sadly says farewell my child sob Marvel Maid continues to narrate the next panel much later after my rocket board 4,000 miles upwards I was found by a passing couple among the surface people we see that the the borer, the boring rocket, the boring rocket, <laughs> it's quite an interesting rocket actually. <laughs> and we see the rocket borer has popped out on on the surface, and there's a nice man in a brown suit with a lady in a red outfit, and the nice man in a brown suit says, "Did that child come from an unknown civilization underground?" And his wife says, "Poor thing, if it can never return, it's an orphan. We'll adopt it for our own." And little Marvel maid gives out, "Wah!" in between them as she's being held by the nice lady. So, over the page to top of page 7, and the caption says, Later, my startled foster parents found out I had superpowers. And this is great. This, I mean, it's, as I've said already, it's a brilliant reworking of the all the panels that we're used to seeing from Superman's origin. It's terrific. Mm -hmm. the, the the infant Marvel maid, now a little girl, is holding a massive rock above her head. And, and she is saying, Me see what making noise under rock. It's baby chipmunks. And her adoptive father says, Look, she lifted that big boulder like a feather. Our child is stronger than a hundred men. As Marvel Maid's story ends... Yep, we're back with the two two girls of steel almost, and Marvel Maid is saying to Supergirl, Years later, I found out that cosmic rays, which had never penetrated underground, had given me superpowers when I reached the surface world. I grew up as a superheroine of Terra. And Supergirl says... Then there's no double of Superman here, eh? Before Marvel Maid can answer, her space alarm rings. And there's a giant computer with a screen behind the two 
Girls of Steel. There's a clang clang sound coming from it. And Marvel Maid turns around to look at a screen which is showing, well, she's going to tell you what it says on the screen. Look, I must aid those people threatened by a forest fire which has spread all around their prehistoric world. When Supergirl says, Then let me take your place here on Terra while you're gone, Marvel Maid. In the next panel, Supergirl continues, You see, I want to prove to my cousin Superman that I can handle any super job without making mistakes. And Marvel Maid, who's starting to fly off here, says, Well, if you want to pose as Marvel Maid, study that exhibit and replace me in my secret identity before my absence is noticed. And Supergirl is standing at this point. We can see there's a doorway behind her which says, Marvel Maid's secret identity? (laughs) That doesn't seem very secure, does it? (laughs) If someone broke into the Fortress of Marvels, that's all her her information just given away (laughs) straight away. That's fascinating. And I love the fact that Marvel Mm -hmm. Maid is just so casual about it. Yeah, okay, if you want to do that, off you go. So... Next panel for page seven shows what looks like Linda Lee sat behind a desk with a typewriter. There's a sign on the desk which, instead of saying Linda Lee, says Leah Lindy Cobb Reporter. And Supergirl thinks, goodness, instead of living in an orphanage like me, she works for a newspaper like Clark Kent, Superman's secret identity. How strange. We have a slow dissolve then, and the caption for the next panel says... And shortly at the Daily Planet offices in Macropolis. And we see Supergirl in disguise as Leah Lindy sat at Leah Lindy's desk typing away and there's an office door opening which says on it Managing Editor Perry Waite. That's not Perry White, Perry Waite, spelled W-A-I-T-E. Very badly lettered, it must say. And as she types away, Supergirl is thinking, Gosh! Perry Waite is an exact double of Perry White on Earth. He isn't suspicious of me. Linda Lee and Leah Lindy are like two peas in a pod. And as Perry Waite comes through the door, he says, Leah, please rush this typing. So we now move to the top of page eight. Later, changing in seclusion. And we see Supergirl obviously hiding in some storage room. There's filing cabinets behind her. And she's placing the MM logo over her Supergirl badge. And she's thinking, That protected her secret identity. Now to patrol the city as Marvel made. I'll glue those MM emblems I made over my S emblems. Gee whiz. And the caption for the next panel says, To Supergirl it is a unique thrill when... And the next panel shows that Supergirl, in disguise as Marvel Maid, flying over a busy sort of city street, and a man in the street shouts up at her, Hi Marvel Maid, you're making your patrol on schedule. And a delighted Supergirl thinks, On Earth... Where my existence is a secret, nobody ever saw me. Here I don't have to hide myself. What a difference. Suddenly, at the harbour... We see Supergirl flying down towards a building which is a sign outside it saying Coast Guard, and a voice comes from the building. Marvel made. we just picked up an SOS. A ship is disabled and is drifting toward danger. And Supergirl thinks... It's a job for Supergirl, er, for Marvel made. Seconds later, out at sea... We see Marvel Maid, a.k.a. our Supergirl, flying towards an iceberg and using her heat vision on it because there's a boat moving towards it. And as she does this, Marvel Maid, a.k.a. Supergirl, thinks, My first chance to do a super rescue under Earth-like conditions. It would be a mistake to smash that iceberg. Falling chunks might hit the ship. Instead, Supergirl uses the heat of her X-ray vision, then fantastically... Oh my goodness! Instead of melting, the iceberg burst into uh, flames! I've got to hurry! And I'm sure we see that. The iceberg is flames bursting out all over it. And the next panel, we see her flying towards the ship, with a train of thought continuing. I've got to hurry and save the ship. I'll shove it to the docks. 
I only hope that burning iceberg doesn't endanger other ships. There's nobody else to help me with this double job. A burning iceberg? That's mental. So, the top of page nine, the caption says. But elsewhere in a prison cell, who is this man that looks like Clark Kent and acts like Superman? So in this panel we see a man who's wearing what looks like white overalls and he's ripping them open and instead of the Superman emblem on his blue shirt underneath, it's the double M's of the same as Marvel made had. And he thinks, I saw a flash of flame out at sea. My telescopic vision showed that Marvel made needs my help. No guards will be around for an hour or so. I'll change and leave through my escape tunnel as usual. I previously superboarded underground. It's the handiest way of escaping from my cell. And indeed, over these two panels, we see there's obviously like a, a lid to his escape tunnel, which he's moved slightly out of the way. And in the second panel, he's flying down into it. He looks very much like your typicals at Silver Age at this point, sort of wind-boring-esque, barrel-chested Superman. The caption for the next panel says, Moments later. And Marvel Man is thinking, I left my tunnel and bored up at the sea bottom. I'll make sure no ships are nearby to see me in action above the water's surface. And sure enough, we see him bursting out from the ground. There's some fish nearby. It's quite good, actually. Um, he's obviously burst out of his tunnel. Hopefully that doesn't mean his tunnel is then going to drain the entire ocean. I don't know. Seems a bit cavalier of Marvel Man, if you ask me. Anyway, the caption for the next panel. But to Supergirl's astonishment, returning to finish her job. So Supergirl, a.k.a. Marvel Maid, has returned from pushing the boat to the docks. And she's thinking as she flies into this panel. Goodness, that man is a, a double of Superman. And then we see Marvel Man pushing the iceberg underwater. The burning iceberg, there's still flames coming from it. There's steam bursting from it as well now. And as he pushes it under the water, he's saying, Shoving the iceberg underwater will quench the flames, Marvel made. But you're slipping, cousin. Couldn't you tell this was a false iceberg made out of flammable salts that crystallised out of the seawater? It's very helpful of him to explain that for yes. us. And the next panel shows Supergirl, a.k.a. Marvel made, alighting on the another iceberg. And Marvel Man is standing there and Supergirl says, I'm not Marvel Maid. I'm only substituting for her while she's away on a space job. I'm Supergirl from Earth. And Marvel Man says, Great Scott, you're an exact double of my cousin. Tell me all about yourself and why you came to Terra. It's interesting that he doesn't notice that straight away. You know, he doesn't register yeah. it as he flies up. So the caption for the final panel on page nine says, After Supergirl explains, But Marvel Maid didn't tell me about you. How did you escape the destruction of your underground civilization long ago? And Marvel Man responds, My father, who was Jal Kor's brother, also knew of the coming disaster, and sent me away in a rock penetrator as a child. And the next panel is narrated in the same style as the earlier Marvel Maid panel was. So we got a tiny, tiny, tiny Marvel Man head. And the image in the panel shows a very young child wearing a white shirt and blue trousers, blue looks of it, in another sort of orange boring rocket. And the narrating Marvel Man says, but my earth-boring machine stalled before reaching the surface, and volcanic gases that seeped in put me into suspended animation. Years later, when a big quake tossed my rock penetrator to the surface, I burst free, just as Marvel Maid flew by in her regular patrol. And this is great, because it's, it's kind of the inverse of the cover of Action Comics 252, the first appearance of Supergirl, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, huh? The left of the panel, we have Marvel Maid flying in, and in the right of the panel, we see the boring machine... But it's an adult Marvel man bursting from it. And Marvel Maid says, Why, it's my cousin. The moment Cosmic Grace touched you, you gained superpowers like me. I'm, I've got to say, I'm digging this origin. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Marvel Man continues his narration. Later, after Marvel Maid supplied me with a uniform similar to hers, 
And in a very amusing panel, we see Marvel Man flying backwards into a tree, which then breaks, and he's saying, Oh, I can't fly well enough yet, Marvel Maid. And Marvel Maid says, You'll improve in time, Marvel Man. Meanwhile, you must remain unknown to the people of Terra. Thus, whenever there is a sudden emergency, you can be my secret weapon and help me. As Marvel Man's story ends... We see Marvel Man and Supergirl, a.k.a. Marvel Maid, flying away from the iceberg, and Marvel Man is saying... And still today, my existence is kept secret. Marvel made feels I'm not yet trained enough for regular super duties. And Supergirl says, How odd. It's just the reverse of Superman and me on Earth. I'm here to prove I'm fully trained. That burning iceberg won't count against me, as it couldn't happen on Earth. Next panel shows them coming to, to land, and Supergirl is saying to Marvel Man, I secretly live in an orphanage on Earth. And Marvel Man says, It's different with me here on Terra. I'm a prisoner in that jail under my other identity as Ken Clark. And indeed, we see a large building behind him, which now that we look at it a bit more closely, is clearly a prison. And Supergirl says in the next panel, Goodness, you mean you committed a crime? And Marvel Man responds, No, Supergirl. You see, everyone on Terra must have identification papers. Marvel Maid obtained hers from her foster parents, but I had none, and was sentenced to prison for years. Over the page to page 11, and we see Marvel Man flying downwards into what's obviously another tunnel that leads him back into the prison. And as he flies off, he says, I pretend to be the weakest prisoner to cover my superpowers, to do secret super jobs I come and go for myself through my underground tunnel. But I must avoid parole until Marvel Maid agrees my training is over. And as he flies off, Supergirl thinks, just like Superman has me avoid adoption on Earth. As Supergirl curiously observes his return to his cell. Next panel shows Supergirl using her, obviously, her supervision, and she can see... Ken, Ken Clark. Ken Clark, the Tory MP. Yeah, that's a bit odd. Supergirl is using her supervision and she can see Ken Clark getting changed back into his white overalls in his prison cell. And she's thinking, he's changing to Ken Clark prisoner and covering his secret escape tunnel. I'll make sure the warden isn't suspicious of him. In the warden's office, superhearing tips off Supergirl that trouble is brewing for Ken Clark. And Supergirl is listening in on a conversation between a professor and the warden, and the professor is saying to the warden, I'm not sure if my new muscle serum will work and double a man's strength. I want to conduct experiments at my lab with your weakest prisoner, warden. The warden replies, Hmm, that would be Ken Clark, professor. And Supergirl thinks, Uh-oh. We cut to the yard of the prison. We can see Ken in the background, obviously with a hammer, breaking rocks. And the warden whispers to the professor, Psst, there's Ken Clark, working on the rock pile. He can hardly lift his sledgehammer. And the professor whispers back. If he's the weakest man, set him free in parole. He can stay at my laboratory during the injections of my muscle serum. Having overheard, Supergirl moves fast to save Marvel Man from his trap. And we see Supergirl, a.k.a. Marvel Maid, flying up above the prison building now. And she's thinking, If Ken Clark lives with a scientist, his secret identity will be exposed. No hypodermic needle can penetrate his skin, but I'll blow down my super breath and make Ken Clark's sledgehammer break a rock to bits. And that's what we see happen in the next panel. And the warden says, Why, uh, Clark isn't as weak as I thought, Professor. Perhaps he's been exercising daily in a cell. We'll choose another prisoner. Yeah, another, another prisoner's going to be the unwitting victim of medical experiments. Oh dear. So, the top of page 12 now, and Supergirl, in her disguise as Marvel Maid, is observing Ken Clark, and she's thinking, 
Ken Clark overheard the warden's comment and realized how I saved him from his greatest danger, being paroled. He's thanking me with a wink. And sure enough, we see Ken doing so. And Supergirl continues to think, well, back to my patrol of terror in place of Marvel made. But the next disaster is up in space. And we see a meteor colliding with the fortress of Marvels. And Supergirl thinks from off-panel, Goodness, a huge meteor just knocked the fortress of Marvels out of orbit. I must stop it from crashing down here in Terra one minute from now. Wait, I have an idea. Supergirl flies through Marvel Man's secret prison tunnel to call him out. And... The next panel shows them flying up away from the prison. And Supergirl is saying, Marvel Man, you saved the fortress from crashing. After a big feat like that, maybe Marvel Maid will agree your training period is over. And Marvel Man says, You're doing me a super favour, Supergirl. Thanks. But if I fly in the air, people on that road would see me. I'll stand here and catch the fortress before it hits the ground. And Supergirl says, Hmm. I'll check and make sure nobody in that nearby farmhouse is looking this way. So they've obviously come down to land. Marvel Man is standing. Again, he looks really barrel-chested. It's unbelievable. It's very, yeah. what I would describe as the Wayne Boring sort of style. It's quite funny. It's very silver agey. Mm-hmm. So we move now to the bottom of page 12 and we see Supergirl flying towards the farmhouse and she thinks, Oh my gosh, the farmer's wife is coming out. She'll see Marvel Man in action. Hmm, that coal shed gives me an idea. I'll pick out a lump and super squeeze it. Coal is another form of carbon, and super pressure turns it into its crystalline form of a diamond in the rough. And over a sequence of these three panels at the bottom of page 12, we see Supergirl fly up to the coal shed, taking a piece of coal in her hand, and squeezing it into the form of a diamond. So, we now get to the top of page 13, and the caption says, As Supergirl leaves it in the vegetable garden. And then we see the woman from the farmhouse, and the little girl who was with her, crouching down next to the diamond. And the lady from the farmhouse says, Look, Cynthia. Is that a diamond? Your daddy must have exposed it when digging the garden without knowing what it was. Supergirl, hiding round the side of the house, thinks, Trust a woman to know a diamond when she sees one. She'll be too excited over a find now to see Marvel Man across the field. But when Supergirl returns to Marvel Man... There's a lot going on in this panel. We see the forces of Marvels crashing into the planet's surface in the background. As in the foreground of the panel, Marvel Man is holding himself up by his hands. He looks like he's collapsed to the ground. And he's saying... I couldn't catch the falling fortress, Supergirl. I feel pain from the reflections of that diamond, which weakens me. And Supergirl says, Heavens, then diamonds are your kryptonite. And then Marvel Man narrates the next panel, saying, Yes, Supergirl, the great pressure of our collapsing cavern forced diamonds out of carbon, which exists in many things. And we see indeed in this panel the collapsing of the cavern over the underground city and rocks and diamonds being forced upwards. In the next panel, his narration continues. The concussion hurled many super-hard diamonds from the centre of terror to the surface, but never to be used. And we see a lady in a shoulderless dress and there's a policeman in front of her and he's taking what looks like a glowing necklace from her. And the policeman is admonishing the lady and he says, Sorry ma'am, you know all diamond jewellery is banned. It can bring death to Marvel Maid. We will have to destroy your necklace. Gosh, that's intense. Right, and then the caption for the next panel says... And a Supergirl uses her supervision. We can see Supergirl observing the the farmer woman, and Supergirl is thinking, The farmer woman isn't happy over her find as I first thought, but alarmed. And through the miracle of Supergirl's supervision, we can see the farm woman on the phone, and she's saying... Police, I found a diamond on my farm. Please send the diamond demolition squad over. And I also heard a loud crash before. The Diamond Demolition Squad supported menswear at King Tut's when I didn't see them in 1995. 
Anyway, the closing caption from this issue says... Yes, the crash of the Fortress of Marvels. And we see Supergirl in the disguise of Marvel Maid with Marvel Man. And in the background behind them we can see the shattered remnants of the Fortress of Marvels. And Supergirl says... I didn't help you prove yourself to Marvel Maid, nor myself to Superman. Oh, what a mess I've made of things here on Terra! For the outcome of Supergirl's Great Dilemma, including more amazing twists of fate, see the next issue of Action, Action Comics. Comics. Well, end of part one. I have a problem with Marvel Man's plan to save the fortress. Right. Just by standing <laughs> on the ground, <laughs> catching it literally as it's careering <laughs> towards the ground. Yeah. That six feet he's catching it from the ground <laughs> is not going to protect the fortress, the farm, or anything around. Yeah. kind of has to be intercepted before it reaches terminal velocity. You do kind of wonder why when he, he didn't just um, fly up and catch it or try and intercept it. Or they could have super-breathed it up, sorry, Marvel-breathed it up, yeah. you know? Well, maybe Marvel Man is very naive and a bit lacking in experience, as, as is clear from the way that he flew backwards into that tree, yeah. So, apart from Marvel Man's ineptitude, what did you think of this one so far, Peter? <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's quite strange. It does call up the whole really weird situation with Supergirl that they had at this time period, where she was in hiding mm. and stuff like she wasn't allowed to be adopted because that would expose who she was. Yeah. So she's kind of like trapped in an orphanage, as it were. It's very bizarre. and It's even more bizarre for... Um, Ken Clark <laughs> being a prisoner because yeah. he doesn't have the right papers. I know. Because he doesn't have any yeah. papers. And then, of course, if Marvel Maid was discovered as a child, she wouldn't have any papers because she'd obviously need papers to be adopted in the first place. How does that work? Maybe the adopted parents pulled the trick that the post-crisis Jonathan and Martha Kent pulled when they just pretended it was their kid and they'd, they'd had her naturally and mm. hadn't had the chance to get her registered. It's very interesting seeing the absolute inversion of the dynamic in the relationship. It's very interesting seeing Superman yeah. being a bit of a dafty. It's so dark that he's in prison. Yes. I mean, that's really quite scary. It's, it's a thinker. Mm -hmm. The thing that really gets me more than anything else is just, to all intents and purposes, this is a parallel world. It's a parallel version of Earth. But it's not in a parallel universe, yeah. it's in our universe, but just uh -huh. very, very far away. And Supergirl's computer can, can find it by having some photographs scanned into mm -hmm. it. <laughs> it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should probably mention at this point in the chronology, what, late 1960, we've already had some of Wonder Woman's adventures, you know, we're a little way ahead of Flash of Two Worlds. Yeah. It's the parallel world's idea being examined in a slightly different... Used a different way. Yeah, yeah, in a different way, as you say. Yeah, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So, before we go on to Chapter 2, we'll tell you that Chapter 2 is called The Supergirl of Two Worlds. Yes. Doesn't that land heavily with you listeners, <laughs> given that we put so much emphasis on Flash of Two Worlds mm -hmm. when we first covered that? So this this is a result. We found a story, basically, because Peter was doing some more digging. So, you have yes. some more Two Worlds to tell us about, don't you, Peter? Oh, there are lots of stories with two <laughs> worlds in them. Kicking off with Adventure Comics 218, it's called The Two Worlds of Superboy. It's more right. talking about Superboy's history as opposed okay. to anything else. So there's no parallel worlds, no other world really, it's just Krypton, obviously. In All-Star Western number 82, there's a story called The Warrior of Two Worlds, and that's the Western character, Strongbow. He's trying to reunite a divided Native American tribe. Is that the one of the underground tribe? Yes, yeah, it's in the, uh -huh. in the cave, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, so that's quite interesting because mm -hmm. obviously this story we're doing today properly has an underground civilization in it. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Purely coincidental, but worth pointing out. Absolutely. So that's from 1955. Again, 1955, we have Strange Adventures 58 and a story called Prisoner of Two Worlds. Yes. And that's a, a Darwin Jones story. 
Uh, he's kind of a scientific character who had a running series in Strange Adventures at the time. This story was reprinted in one of the later issues of Strange Adventures in the, the early 70s, so I've had a wee look at that one and been able to read oh, that cool. one. It's just basically about an alien who's a prisoner on his own mm-hmm. planet, and then he ends up on Earth where he gets captured again, basically. So those are the two worlds where he's, he's the st- he has the status of a prisoner. The cool thing about that is he actually was originally born on Earth. Ah! So he comes back to Earth to get matches because his home world is hugely oxygen-rich. And a match would be the most powerful weapon you could have in his home world. So he wants to take over his home world of Torg using the power of matches. Strange adventures indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Strange adventures, yes. What's the next one then? Next one I've got here is The Man from Two Worlds from Tales of Unexpected number 19. And that's a really fun story. It's uh, about a man who discovers that he's actually an alien from Neptune. So that's quite good. Cool. Then obviously we have this story, which is from 1960. And then... Also, at the start of 1961, we have another strange adventure. It's issue 127, and the story is called Son of Two Worlds, and that's a story set in the Space Museum. Right. Which is, a, again, a running feature that's in Strange Adventures. Then we have Flash of Two Worlds. You might have heard of that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chronologically, that was next. Yep. Uh, then, the month after Flash of Two Worlds, Magnus' Adventure 60 came out, and a story called I Lived in Two Worlds. This is a really nice, it's a really short story, but it's a really nice story. It's by a guy called Ross Overton, who describes himself as a manhunter. Ah! We'll talk about it. He's not, <laughs> he's not anything to do with the legacy DC manhunters, which we will cover yes. at some stage. Yes, But I just yes. love the fact he described him as that. He's on the trail of a criminal, yeah, right. and basically he's in the jungle in a canoe, and they're chasing each other in canoes. In a canoe, you say? The return of canoes in the podcast. He's, he's in a canoe, uh, right. Well, that's good. <laughs> he is in a canoe. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of canoes. And in his pursuit, he's struck by strange lightning and then suddenly finds that he's simultaneously existing on Earth and on another world, where he's glowing with energy. This process weakens him in both worlds. In the other world, aliens capture him and lock him up with very strange caged beasts, again like an interplanetary zoo. He manages to escape, pursued by the aliens, and again gets struck by this lightning, which then sends him back to Earth just in time because his weakened body in the canoe is about to fall off a waterfall. Blimey. He managed to save himself and capture the, the bad guy he was chasing at the same time. Excellent. It's a really fun short story. It was quite cool. So that was an issue of My Greatest Adventure. That was the book that the Doom Patrol ended up taking over, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. This is 20 yeah. issues before that, so, yeah. so that's quite cool. cool. Next one was A Mystery in Space, number 81. It's an Adam Strange story called The Cloud Creature That Menaced Two Worlds. The next one's from Tales Unexpected, number 76. That's uh, from 1963. The story's called The Warrior of Two Worlds. And again, that's a nice fun story. It's about an Earthman who overthrows an alien dictator on another planet called Giria, which is quite fun. Cool. But it's, again, there's not really any parallel universe stuff or anything like that. Uh-huh. It's just the fact uh-huh. that it's an alien world. Uh, House of Mystery 137 is the next one. Cover date, 1963, September. The story is called The Girl From Two Worlds. And that's a really fun story in which uh, people are disguising themselves as aliens to try and trick this girl. All right. There's a whole inheritance thing involved. It's really, it's quite okay. fun. It's good. Interesting. Yeah, another Tales of the Unexpected story next from issue 87. <laughs> this is called The Manhunt Through Two Worlds. There are thousands. <laughs> there oh, are no, thousands yeah. of two worlds. I mean, we, you know, when we mm-hmm. did, um, we did our Flash 1, 2, 3, obviously, but we did, when we did an issue about um, our first inaugural Earth Prime episode very, very early on in the podcast. Uh-huh. And we thought it was a, a big deal that we'd spotted that issue of Strange Adventures <laughs> with the, the guy who was sort of split across two worlds. But there are so yeah. many more. 
so many mm-hmm. more. This one's really good as well. This is um, so the manhunt through two worlds. It's a Green Glob story. The Green Glob is a recurring character in Tales Unexpected. He first appeared in issue eighty three. It's it's kind of like a ball of energy that has influence on things, and it's a force for good. But it's kind of retconned in the early nineties Angel and the Ape miniseries. It's to oh, right, be okay. a precursor to the Green Lanterns by the Guardians. Right. Now, I don't know whether it's the Green Globs, because there apparently were multiples of them. I don't know whether they were a precursor to the Manhunters, or if they were developed at the same time as the Manhunters, or whether they came after the Manhunters, but certainly they came before the Green Lanterns. So, yeah, really, really interesting. Was the early 90s Angel and Ape series meant to be taken completely seriously, or do you think they were having a bit of fun with that? Oh, they were having fun with it, but, you know, the fact is they brought back this character that hadn't been seen since the mid-60s. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, so that's cool. I don't think I've ever read any Green Glob stories. I'll have to try and investigate some of them somehow. Hmm. Are there any more, or was that the last one? Oh, there's there's more. Uh, the next one is a John John story <laughs> from House of Mystery 151. That's the Doom from Two Worlds. There, there is another dimension here, but it's not a parallel world, it's just another dimension. Right. And John John's Martian Manhunter ends up going to deal with the situation there and he comes back to Earth, so that's how that happens. Nice one, John, well done. There's other ones, I've just mentioned a few in passing. There's the two worlds of Superboy from Superboy 156, that's in 1969. Then there's not really a lot more pre crisis. There's a story called Fugitive from Two Worlds from Bravenbold 155. World's Finest issue 300 is a tale of two worlds. And that brings us up to Crisis Infinite Earth. So Interesting. So yeah, again, the legacy, again, the multiverse, but not really being the multiverse, just the history of the two worlds phrase. And of course, you can't say it without mentioning Julie Schwartz's autobiography, Man of Two Worlds. Of course. Yeah, of course. DC editor Julie Schwartz, the editor of Flash of Two Worlds. But of course, that mm-hmm. was not the first time Two Worlds was used in DC Comics. There we are. There we are. No. Back to fans. <laughs> yeah, as we said, our, our research and all, and all this is ongoing and ideally I suppose we would have turned all this up before mm. we'd even started and done this Supergirl story where it fell in but I think it's it's nice to do it now and it's nice to talk about these stories now while we're a bit further in because it means that you know our listeners are finding this, the stuff out at the same time possibly yep. that we are and it just shows that you know there's a lot more going on under the surface than we all think about it. I mean, Flash of Two Worlds is just so iconic Yeah and mm-hmm. it's a bit sad to find out there's about a dozen other two world stories without <laughs> the title, you know. And it, it wasn't the first of them, and it, and it wasn't the last. It'd be nice yeah. if DC published a, a collection of all of these different. Can you imagine? Oof. It'd be great, it's wouldn't it? It'd just be called Adventures from Two Worlds. <laughs> Do you know? What? And a parallel Earth, they have published. It. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Mm. So, shall we continue then with Action Comics two hundred and seventy-three? No. Oh, sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you gave me a fright there. Good grief, don't do that. <laughs> so, after all that two-world action, we shall continue with Action Comics 273, again, December 29th, 1960, one day short of 60 years to the day when we record this episode. Amazing, I love it. So, we have an opening splash panel which shows Supergirl looking at a computer screen which shows Marvel made and Superman. And this is obviously a little detail that will be a little bit later on in the story, so we're not going to give you the full details of that because we don't want to spoil it. However, we will read out the opening splash caption, which brings us up to speed. Cue Peter. Somewhere in the universe, out of all the billions of worlds, there exists Terra, a twin of Earth, with the same oceans, climate, people, languages, and all else. When Supergirl finds the second Earth, she discovers even a double of herself and of Superman. 
But there are a few strange differences between Earth and Terra that baffle Supergirl as she takes over for Marvel Maid, her superpowered girl double, and thus becomes the, the Supergirl, Supergirl of Two Worlds. worlds. Terrific soul. Excellent. Straight into the story, the top of page two is a recap which reminds us that Florida and Terra is much larger than it is on Earth, that the Eiffel Tower is in America, and that Statue of Liberty holds a banner instead of a torch. Customs, languages, and people are exactly the same as on Earth, but instead of Superman being the main hero on Terra, it's the equivalent of Supergirl, but she is known as Marvel Maid and not Supergirl, and her other identity is Leia Lindy. So, we join the story. On Terra, Superman's double also exists, but he is called... Marvel Man. He is a secret weapon of Marvel Maid, the reverse of Supergirl, and Superman on Earth. Marvel Man is hiding behind a bush, and we see that he's observing somebody working on the farm. And as he observes, Marvel Man is thinking, That former kid mustn't see me. My existence on Terra must remain a secret until Marvel Maid decides I'm fully trained. This oddity is the most amazing of all to Supergirl, who has come from Earth to visit Terra for a special purpose. And then close up, Supergirl thinks... Poor Marvel Man. I know how he feels, but if I perform super jobs here without making any mistake, I know that when I return to Earth, Superman will agree I've proven I don't need any more training and let me reveal my existence. And at the top of page 3, we see Supergirl in her disguise as Marvel Maid, observing, using her, superpower, her supervision, to observe Marvel Maid rescuing the prehistoric people that she saw on her computer screen in Chapter 1. And Supergirl is thinking, I'm wearing this MM emblem over my S emblem. Marvel Maid gave me permission to take her place here on Terra while she's away in a space mission. And as we see Marvel Maid at work, she is thinking, My super breath can only blow out one patch of burning forest at a time. This whole prehistoric world is in fire. Back to the main plot and second panel at the top of page three, it shows the fortress of Marvels plummeting towards the Earth. And then it smashes down in panel three with a massive crash. Because as we, as we saw at the end of part one, Marvel Man was influenced by the diamond and wasn't strong enough to move and save it. So, the caption for the next panel says, Shortly, a Supergirl and Marvel Man reach the wreckage. We see them flying down in the background. In the foreground, we see some stuff inside. It looks like a statue of a very Silver age science fiction-y character, doesn't it? It could be Tommy Tomorrow or yeah. Space Ranger or Adam Strange or someone. Do you think that's supposed to be her father? Or do you think it's maybe the be. equivalent of the Legion of Superhero character? Wow, a whole separate Legion for the planet. That's mind-boggling. Can you imagine? Maybe that's the chameleon boy that we saw that time, ages ago. Anyway. <laughs> could be. As they fly down in the background of the panel, Supergirl says, We were supposed to be taking care of things while Marvel Maid was gone. We'll have to repair her fortress before she returns. The Marvel Man says, Let's work together at super speed, Supergirl. And the caption tells us, Swiftly. And we see Marvel Man and Supergirl in her disguise as Marvel Maid reassembling the sphere that was the Fortress of Marvels. Terrific. A Marvel Man says, I'll keep putting these broken blocks in place. And Supergirl says, And the heat of my infrared vision will fuse the crack shut. We'll have the outer walls done in no time. Infrared vision? Ah, so it's heat of X-ray vision is what they said before. They've changed it now right. to infrared vision, and again, that's a power we don't usually hear about. Yeah, and it's changed the infrared vision between the two between, between the two, two issues. issues of Action Comics. That's fascinating. Here we go. So the caption for the next panel says, "Inside presently," and we see Supergirl and still in her Marvel made costume and Marvel Man, and they're working at great speed. We can see their hands flashing in front of them, and Marvel Man says. Using my super memory, I can piece together all the former trophies. This is a model of the underground civilization in which Marvel made and I were born. Disaster struck one day, 
but our fathers both scientists saved us by sending us away into rock-boring rockets like this leaving the upper world we gained superpowers when our bodies absorbed cosmic rays now i wonder if is marvel man a bit slow in the uptake because he's telling supergirl information that she already knows obviously it's for the benefit of the readers <laughs> <laughs> they will be supergirl is holding the model of one of the the rock boring rockets there they must be putting it back into position in the museum so mm -hmm. the caption for the next panel says later after reconstructing a planetarium model of their solar system and this is interesting because we see the planets and they're labelled and there's a giant yellow one with some red dots on it and it's called Spotted Jupiter. And there's a smaller red planet which is a ring around it like Saturn would have in our solar system. It's labelled as Ringed Mars. And then we see Terra and Supergirl helpfully points out, How odd! The Mars of your solar system has rings like our Saturn and your Jupiter has more than one red spot. So that's quite interesting. Pointing out that the the whole solar system's mm -hmm. different, not just the Earth equivalent. That's yep. interesting. Later, when another relic is restored... And we see Marvel Man with a bit of machinery which is very helpfully labelled Mystery Weapon. And he's saying to Supergirl, This one has always been a mystery to us. We found it in space. It seems to be a super scientific weapon from another world. Supergirl is pondering, tapping her finger to her chin and her lip, and she's saying, Hmm, it looks familiar somehow. Wait! There's a man's face etched on it. Why, it's Luther, Earth's renegade scientist. Superman captured this disintegrating ray from him years ago and flung it into space. Hmm. Without knowing it, you had a Superman souvenir in your Fortress of Marvels. And this is a great panel. It shows the side of the, the mystery weapon. <laughs> and there's a lovely <laughs> rendering of big old baldy Lex Luthor. <laughs> yep. Amazing. A smart suit and tie. Not his prison grace. Yes, has a tie. No. Quite a marked difference. Um, I kind of anticipated seeing a different version of Lex in this story, so I wonder if that will play out, we shall soon see. So, the bottom mm. tier of panels of page four, and the first caption says, Finally, when the interior is fixed. And we see Marvel Man and Supergirl flying the Force of Marvels back up into space, and Supergirl confirms this indeed by thinking, Now we'll fly the fortress back into its orbit above Terra. I'll wait inside for Marvel Maid to return from space, but Marvel Man has to hurry away to save his secret identity. And from the bottom of page four to the top of page five, we see Marvel Man flying back into his tunnel and back into his prison cell. And as he thinks to himself, now to hurry and change back to my everyday identity of Kent Clark, convict. And we must point out that that mistake there says Kent Clark, mm -hmm. not Ken Clark. Because Kent Clark is yeah. just an obvious inversion of Clark Kent. But in the reprint, which I'm reading from, which is the... Silver Age Supergirl Omnibus Volume 1. They've obviously spotted it and fixed it. Ah, fantastic. Marvel Man is thinking Ken Clark. Yes, so there's been a few occasions when some of these little letters haven't been fixed, so it's nice to spot one. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Another strange twist. On Terra, Clark Kent's double is not a reporter, but a prisoner. And this is a very moody panel with the light shining in from the barred window and yeah. casting a shadow behind Ken Clark as he puts on his, his grey prison fatigues over his Marvel Man uniform. And he's thinking to himself, in another little recap for anyone who missed issue 272, he's thinking, When I arrived on Terra, I had no identification papers. I was arrested under suspicion of being a spy from another planet. I've been kept here ever since. That's very interesting. The identification papers, I wonder if that's just unique to America or if that's a whole worldwide sort of situation. Oh, good point, yes. Obviously it doesn't go into here, but yeah. Yeah. Or what led to such a situation where people had to do that? Of mm. course, yeah. Were they invaded by aliens previously? Hmm. So, 
slow dissolve and the caption says Meanwhile, Marvel made returns to hear Supergirl's report. And we see Supergirl with a nice little white penny apron around her waist and she's <laughs> got a brush and she's brushing up some dust and debris and she's in the middle of saying And so I'm just cleaning up the debris left from the crash Marvel made. But don't blame Marvel Man for it. It was my fault. And Marvel Maid says You're taking the blame to help him prove he's trained enough to be my super teammate, eh? Yes, Marvel Maid. I know how Marvel Man feels. He doesn't always want to be your secret weapon any more than I like being Superman's uh, anonymous helper on Earth. Marvel Maid says I understand, dear. Laying a reassuring pair of hands on Supergirl's shoulders. <laughs> the next panel shows Marvel Maid at her computer screen as Supergirl flies out an open window. Um, Marvel Maid says, But maybe you can convince Superman if you keep substituting for me here. I'll watch my monitor screen as you patrol Terra in my place. Thanks, Marvel Maid. Each super job I do will help me when I report back to my cousin. After, as Supergirl passes a launching site for space rockets. We see a space rocket taking off. Something's gone wrong, its trajectory's wrong. And Supergirl is thinking, This is like Earth's Cape Canaveral. In their space program, they're shooting the first man into space in a capsule, but the booster rocket is going the wrong way and aiming down. We move to the top of page six. And Supergirl is now guiding the rocket up into space, and she thinks, I won't let this important experiment fail. I'll force the rocket upright so it goes on and puts the first astronaut of Terra into orbit. As Supergirl uses her X-ray vision to check inside the capsule... Pardon me, the first astronaut S... Some things in Terra sure are different from Earth. They chose a girl as their space Columbus. And we see, thanks to um, Supergirl's X-ray vision, as the, the first stage of the rocket breaks up in the background of the panel, a very glamorous-looking <laughs> lady astronaut in a green spacesuit inside the capsule. Astronaut S. Yeah. Oof. So, the caption for the next panel. When Supergirl returns to the orbiting fortress of Marvels... Supergirl is greeted warmly by Marvel Maid, and Marvel Maid says... Great, Supergirl. You had to use super calculations to make the rocket fly right. If you've been performing like that on Earth, you're really good. Uh, I, I don't deserve all that praise. You're too modest, Supergirl. So I'm going to Earth to tell Superman you don't need any more training. Meanwhile, watch my trip on the space monitor. And Marvel Maid flies off. And Supergirl is thinking, Gosh, will she make my dream come true? Later, arriving on Earth, Marvel Maid first checks at Midvale Orphanage. And we see Marvel Maid observing the Linda robot that Supergirl left behind before she left. And Marvel Maid is thinking, Supergirl told me about leaving her Linda Lee robot here in her place while she was away. I'll check with my X-ray vision. Good. The robot's motor is working fine. And then Marvel Maid flies off in the next panel. We see her flying past a, an aeroplane and she thinks, Now to Metropolis to find Superman. I must be careful. Supergirl's existence is unknown on Earth. I'll go through the clouds so the people in that airliner don't see a flying girl. Fantastic. Right then, now, at the top of page seven, we have a caption which says, Just before reaching Metropolis, Marvel Maid passes a monument carved in honour of a famous super pair. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a Mount Rushmore sort of thing. It's a giant statue head of Superman and a giant sort of statue head and shoulders of Crypto. They're white against the, the rock. The words Superman and Crypto helpfully etched in as well. <laughs> and Marvel Maid is thinking. Hmm. Supergirl is missing among those giant carved faces. But it won't be for long. After I convince Superman to announce her to the Earth people, I know her face will be added to make it a super trio. And we should probably mention there's a sort of cable car passing in front of the statue heads at this point. Suddenly, as a storm breaks loose from gathering black clouds... 
and there are some amazing Shazam cartoon-style lightning bolts coming down from this storm, and a voice yells from the cable car, Help! We're in danger! And Marvel Maid flies down to the rescue, thinking, Uh-oh, a lightning flash will strike that cable car. I'll fly faster than the human eye can follow, reach the bolt, and... Deflect it with my invulnerable body. I'll be gone before the sightseer's visions clear up. Marvel Maid has indeed intercepted the lightning bolt, and it's a giant flash. And then a voice from inside the cable car says, Oh, that bright flash blinded us temporarily. <laughs> I love the fact that they were able to make that quick pop assessment of the status of their vision. Yes. That's tremendous. It's the return of Captain Exposition to this podcast. Yes. He must be inside this cable car. Yeah. I wonder if it's one of the people from the party in Green Lantern 40. <laughs> <laughs> the caption for the next panel says, A moment later. And we're right next to the giant Superman statue head and... Marvel Maid is very surprised, and she says, Now to find Superman. Oh, wait, here he comes now. And indeed, Superman arrives, and he says, Congratulations, Supergirl. I saw your super feet while rushing here. I would have been too late. You saved many lives. And then the caption for the next panel says, Back on Terra, as the Space Monitor brings their voices to Supergirl. And we see our Supergirl watching Superman and Marvel Maid on the Fortress computer screen, and Supergirl is thinking, Goodness! Superman didn't notice the wrong emblems on Marvel Maid's costume. He thinks she's me. And on the screen we see Superman saying, Well, that last feat does it. I'm happy to tell you I now believe you're fully trained and ready to share my super duties on Earth. Come, Supergirl. And Marvel Maid is exclaiming, But, but... So now, over the page to page 8, and Supergirl continues to watch them on the screen, flying towards the Fortress of Solitude, and Superman says, No but, Supergirl, when I introduce you to the world, it will be the proudest day of my life. But first, let me show you plans I previously prepared at my fortress. And our Supergirl, observing them on the screen, thinks, He's talking so fast that she can't get a word in edgewise. The next panel, Superman has his massive key and he's preparing to unlock the fortress and he says, I'll unlock the door in a jiffy. Don't be impatient, Supergirl. And then Marvel Maid thinks, He uh, won't give me a chance to explain who I really am. Now in the next panel, they're inside the fortress and there's a line of Superman robots and Superman says, Attention, Superman robots. Hereafter, you will obey my cousin Supergirl just as you do me. As of this moment, she is my equal partner on Earth. And one of the robots is bowing forward, and he says, We're at your service, Mistress Supergirl. In the next panel, we see Supergirl still continuing to observe the, the Fortress of Marvel's viewing screen as a line of Supergirl robots walk in towards Superman and Marvel made. And Superman is saying, I have a surprise for you, Supergirl. Your own robots. I secretly made them many months ago. And Supergirl is thinking, Golly, he, he had them all ready all this time, waiting to give them to me when I deserved them. Superman has more surprises for the Supergirl beside him. And this is obviously in another room in the fortress, and we see Superman and Marvel made in silhouette, and they're watching on a screen film video, whatever you want to call it, of Supergirl clashing with what looks like a giant version of the, the DC Comics hero Robot Man, it must be said. <laughs> and yeah. the silhouetted Superman is saying, I secretly took movies of super feats you did in the past, Supergirl. I'll release these films to theatres all over the world. In a few days, you'll be famous from Metropolis to Tokyo. 
So are we to assume from that that uh, when Supergirl's actually been in action at some point, Superman's been flying about with, you know, a video camera behind her while all these lives are in danger, but he's getting some great footage. It's a bit peculiar. It's possible. <laughs> or else maybe the, the Fortress of Solitude has a really, really effective long-range camera that can pick these things up or something, I hope. Well, the Fortress of Marvel certainly has. So Yeah, yeah, it's possible. It's interplanetary one, so maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Let's, let's give him the benefit Indeed. of the doubt there. That's fine. Yeah. So now... We move to the top of page nine. Supergirl is still in the Force of Marvels and the caption says, Millions of miles away on Terra, tears spring from the eyes of the real Supergirl. Tears of happiness. This is a lovely panel. Supergirl is obviously touched at this revelation of Superman's and she's thinking, I sometimes thought Superman was being unfair making me train so long in secret, but now I see that he must have been hoping for my success all the time. And the caption of the next panel, but now, on Earth, Superman stares closely at his companion for the first time, and... And he says... Supergirl, you've changed your emblem from S to MM. He is being as thick as mince <laughs> in this story, let's be honest. Marvel Maids replies to him saying... Because I'm Marvel Maid. I'm an exact double of your cousin, and I live on the distant world of Terra. Supergirl is on my world now, but you didn't give me a chance to explain before. And she continues in the next panel. But when Supergirl returns, you can announce her to the people of Earth. She proved herself on Terra by doing super feats in my place. She saved the first astronautess in orbit and performed other great deeds. So again, we're back to the little device of a tiny head signifying the fact that um, the character is doing the narration and Marvel Maid says, Of course, I must admit Supergirl did make a few errors in my world. But no one can blame her because she didn't know some of the peculiar differences between Earth and Terra. And this panel's a flashback to the previous chapter when Supergirl is trying to melt the iceberg and we see the iceberg bursting into flames with the ship approaching it and she's thinking, Oh my goodness, instead of that iceberg melting from the heat of my X-ray vision, it burst into flames! So we're back to heat of X-ray vision as opposed to heat of infrared vision. Yeah! Oh. Yeah, so we are. Be consistent. Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> Marvel Maid's narration continues. But nevertheless, she still saved the nearby ship. And we see another angle on Supergirl moving the boat away from the iceberg, thinking, I'll use my super strength to shove the ship away from the flames. Then Marvel Maid continues with her narration. Then later, to make sure a farmer's wife wouldn't see Marvel Man in action, Supergirl had a clever idea. And the next couple of panels, uh, as we reach the bottom of page 9 and start at page 10, are a recap of Supergirl observing the farmer's wife as she finds the diamond. And then the narration for the next panel says, But Supergirl didn't know what the diamond's rays would do to Marvel Man. And then the next panel shows Marvel Man. There's a massive crash sound effect, which is obviously <laughs> the arrival of the forces of Marvels. Mm. And Marvel Man is saying, Diamonds, gasp, weaken me. And Supergirl is thinking, Good heavens! It's like Kryptonite's effect on Superman and me. The falling fortress crashed. As Marvel Maid finishes her story... We see Superman and Marvel Maid standing in front of a case with some Kryptonite inside it, and Superman is saying... Hmm, I see. For some strange reason, Diamond is the only mineral which can destroy you and Marvel Man, just as Kryptonite is the only substance which can harm any survivor of the planet Krypton. And Marvel Maid agrees, saying... Right, Superman. But after all, how could Supergirl know about that? Her trick with the diamond did prevent the farmer woman from finding out the secret existence of Marvel Man. What happened later wasn't her fault. I'm going to say here, Supergirl crushed the piece of coal mm -hmm. into the diamond, right? Yes. 
coal and diamonds, they're basically, I think the term is allotrope. Mm-hmm. They're the same element, but just basically in different forms. Yes. There must be something then about the, the crystalline structure of the diamond that affects these people, because otherwise they would be recoiling in horror at every piece of coal that was lying around. Is it comparative to how the, the different effects the different colours of kryptonite could have? Could be. As we have touched on be. briefly in the past. Anyway, so we're now at the bottom of page 10, and the caption says... As Supergirl watches on the space monitor screen... And we see that Supergirl is observing still Marvel Maid having a conversation with Superman, and on the screen Marvel Maid is saying... And of course, weakening Marvel Man with a diamond is an event that couldn't happen on Earth. That's good, Marvel Maid's sticking up for Supergirl, I like it. And Supergirl thinks... Marvel Maid is convincing Superman that my mistake with the diamond shouldn't count against me. On the screen at the Fortress of Marvels, we can see Superman and Marvel Maid adjusting a screen in the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> um, I hope you're keeping up, listeners. And Marvel Maid is saying... But now it's time for Supergirl to patrol my world in my place. You can watch how well she does on your own space monitor screen, Superman. Tune in, Terra. And in the foreground of this panel, bottom of page 10, our Supergirl flies off into action thinking... I hope I get a chance to do a super feat while Superman watches me. So, we reach page 11 of the Supergirl of Two Worlds, and the caption says, Soon, on patrol, Supergirl's chance arises. And we see Supergirl flying down, and there's a bridge in the background, and she's thinking, That bridge crossing the river is sinking. It must have collapsed. I'll dive under it and shove the bridge up before it sinks to the bottom of the river. Which she does over a sequence of two panels. The caption for the next panel says, Back on Earth, as Marvel Maid observes on Superman's space monitor. See Superman and Marvel Maid watching, and Marvel Maid is thinking, Oh heavens, Supergirl doesn't know our drawbridges don't work like earthly drawbridges. Our sinking bridges are meant to go down underwater and let ships pass over them. Meanwhile, in a prison on Terra, convict Ken Clark is viewing Supergirl with his telescopic vision. And we see Ken using his supervision to observe what's going on at the bridge, and he thinks, Great stars! Supergirl didn't see that ship coming! I've got to prevent disaster! I'll change to Marvel Man and speed through my escape tunnel to the river! Moments later, Marvel Man reaches the ship, and... And we see Marvel Man underwater at the propeller of the ship, and he's thinking, I'll spin the propeller the other way, making the ship back up before it collides with the bridge! On Earth, Marvel Maid is relieved! And we see Marvel Maid and Superman observing on their viewing screen, the ship starting to move backwards, and Marvel Maid says, The ship backed up in time! My cousin Marvel Man saved the day! And Superman says, But it looks like my cousin Supergirl pulled a big boo-boo. We move to the top of page 12, and on the screen we see a car covered in water. Marvel Maid is pointing at the screen, and she says, No, Superman, look! Naturally, traffic was stopped before the sinking bridge went down, but one car was stalled. By rapidly shoving the bridge up, Supergirl really saved people from drowning. Tremendous. Right, the next panel shows Marvel Maid flying away from the Fortress of Solitude. The caption says, As Marvel Maid takes her leave of Superman. We see Superman standing in the open doorway, Marvel Maid flying away, and she says, When Supergirl returns, give her credit for saving lives. Her boo-boo doesn't count, since she had no way of knowing that bridges in Terra are different from Earth. Goodbye, Superman. Speeding through space, Marvel Maid arrives on Terra just after Marvel Man has explained the sinking bridge to Supergirl. And we see Supergirl and Marvel Man standing on the ground as Marvel Maid arrives. Supergirl is saying, Thanks for helping me. I'll return to Earth now, huh? And Marvel Man says, And I'll slip back to my prison cell, huh? They're obviously distracted because Marvel Maid has arrived, and Marvel Maid says, Wait, 
Both of you. The next panel shows all three of them flying off. Marvel Maid continues. I want you to stay for a big ceremony, Supergirl. An audience is waiting for me to put on a show for charity, but Marvel Man's last feat was so great, I'm going to introduce him to the public right now. And Marvel Man's thinking. My big day! At last! Shortly, as a crowd awaits their superheroine at Macropolis Stadium. And there's a big crowd of people buying glass, at the, it looks like, at the stadium. And Marvel Man is landing. There's, some, there's a big steel girder to one side and there's some weights in front of him. And a member of the crowd says, Here comes Marvel Maid to give a super show. Wait, it's a flying man we never saw before. And look, he's bursting chains like mere string. He has superpowers like Marvel Maid. But who is he? There's a nice panel, that traditional image that we've seen so many times of Superman breaking free from chains. And it's Marvel Man. He has chains around his chest and he's just flexing and the chains are snapping. And he must, I must say, he does look very pleased with himself. To the top of page 13, the caption says, Marvel Maid appears to end their suspense. And it's quite a nice panel, actually, the way it's drawn. It's almost from the point of view of people in the crowd. We see Marvel Man, this isn't that impressive, holding a sign that says, Two Tons. <laughs> <laughs> um, Marvel Maid alights beside him, and she says, People of Terra, meet my cousin Marvel Man. For years he was in training as my secret weapon, but hereafter... He shall be my super partner and share my super duties. Fantastic. Then the caption for the next panel says, Observing the super ceremony from hiding, Supergirl now takes her leave. Supergirl is flying above the stadium and we can see a voice coming from the stadium. Hooray for Marvel Man! And a Supergirl flies off, she thinks. Golly, I'll have the same thrill when I reach Earth thanks to Marvel Maid. She convinced Superman I'm ready to be revealed to Earth's people. But when Supergirl arrives at the Fortress of Solitude... And we see Supergirl, and we see Superman, and Supergirl says, Superman, wh why did you put my Supergirl robots away again? And Superman, who's in the act of, it looks like, shoving the robots back into a cupboard, says, Because you won't need them yet. Your experiment in Terra failed. You'll see why if you focus your supervision across space into the main library in Macropolis. And the next panel shows Superman and Supergirl using their supervision, and it looks like they're looking at a book in the library in Macropolis. And Superman says, See, that book tells all about the icebergs that burn, how diamonds can weaken super beings like Marvel Maid, and the facts about their sinking bridges. Very helpfully, the pages of this book show a burning iceberg, and right next to it, the bridges, <laughs> and there's an inset box showing a diamond. It's very helpful that those things were all... A very nice double-page spread in this book, Wonders of Terror. Very helpful that <laughs> the Wonders of Terror was so relevant to what was actually just going on, mm. so I'm feeling a bit sorry for Supergirl at this point, it must be said. Panel 5 of page 13, and she's in the foreground of the panel looking very sad, and she's saying, I got it, Superman. My biggest boo-boo was not studying the differences between Earth and Terror right away. Each of my mistakes could have been avoided. Yes, Supergirl. Whenever I visit a strange civilization, I always get full information at one of their libraries first, so that nothing can take me by surprise. And the caption for the final panel says, Later, as Supergirl resumes her role of Linda Lee at Midvale Orphanage, And we see Linda looking a little bit brighter and happier than she did in the other panel, lying in her bed, thinking, I goofed. But at least I know that my cousin Superman is rooting for me. Someday, when I'm really ready, he'll be happy to make me his super partner. The end. end. There we go. Gosh, that was a very breathless and exciting part two, wasn't it? 
So kiddies, whenever you're in a strange new place, always go to the library first to find out every single thing you can about the place you are in. That's my takeaway from the story. <laughs> That's a bit harsh of Superman. <laughs> You know, she saved the people in the car from drowning. I love that he's got this cupboard that's just filled with Supergirl robots that he just he, yeah. he, he had out, mm. and it was all you know going to be a big ceremony, parading all these Supergirl robots out to you know save lives and things. And what does he do? No, he just locks them back up in the cupboard. Just locks yeah. them back away. A cupboard full of lifelike robot copies of his cousin. Mm. Linda Lee already has a robot copy of herself as well from the first. That's true. So, uh, That's true. To cover when she's not there. Obviously, you know, he's been making it. I wonder if that one's got powers or if that is just literally an unpowered robot. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What did, what did you think of part two? I quite enjoyed it. It rattled along at fair speed and it didn't really take any prisoners. It was. It went for it. What did you think? It took no prisoners apart from Ken Clark. <laughs> Poor Ken Clark. Oh, I don't know. So I take it he's going to be magically paroled for not having his papers. That's They didn't really talk about that, did they? Yeah, they'll have, if he's, he's going to be revealed. So, I mean, does that mean that, well, will Ken still have to maintain the secret identity as the guy in the mm-hmm. prison? Or will he be, as you say, will he be paroled? Will he be sort of, yeah. will it be revealed that Ken Clark doesn't really exist? And will Marvel Man be out and proud in public? And interesting. Yeah. Was Ken Clark a name he just came up with? Because he wasn't adopted by the Clark family. That's very valid. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, this was a parallel Earth story, not a parallel universe, but parallel Earth, and it was very interesting, sort of, Uh it reminded me of some of the the Earth 3 sort of flips, when they just took something in it and flipped it aside. It seemed to be very important that they established that Florida was bigger for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think someone has got a, you know, a a retirement home in Florida or land in Florida? Planning to buy land in Florida. (laughs) It's interesting that they, they have these ideas of flipping the status quo for the sake of establishing a story, making it interesting, but they don't really think mm-hmm. through the, the long term yeah. consequences or you know or, or explanations of it. Uh-huh. I thought that was fine. It was very silver agey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing as well, but this story is uh, it uses Marvel Man and Marvel Made, but the actual Marvel Comics doesn't really exist as Marvel Comics yet. I think we're just still shortly before Fantastic Four One. Mm-hmm. comes out and obviously yeah. it was tiny yeah, it's a few months before, before it yeah I think that's quite a fun wee thing to point out also the, the Fortress of Marvels the way it's portrayed it seems very much like it's uh, a TARDIS because it <laughs> did seem to be quite small on the outside but there's a hell of a lot inside maybe it was just the perspective that we saw it from it's yeah. interesting that when it fell to Terra and the building was shattered that so much of the stuff inside was fine and was was able to be yeah. recovered it was funny as well uh, seeing Lex Luthor's super disintegrator weapon uh, just casually recovered. Yes. You know, if Superman, if you've got this horrible weapon that is deadly and is a Lex Luthor invention, throw it into the sun, keep it at your fortress, do something with it. Or so destroy it, yeah. Either destroyed or safe, yeah. Don't just casually throw it into space for anyone to pick it up. Brainiac could have picked that up. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's quite a slapdash attitude there from Superman. And does Lex like to put his picture on everything that he wants? <laughs> everything that he makes? Probably. Copyright Lex Luthor. How do we knowing, know it's copyright him? Knowing Lex, Lex his yeah. face is right there. That's exactly what he would do. I wonder, I mean, I wonder if that if there was a story with that that machine in it. I don't know. My my knowledge of Superman isn't in-depth enough to know that. It'd be interesting if we eventually turn up somewhere down the line mm-hmm. as our research continues, the story that introduced that machinery, <laughs> and it turns out to be to involve Alex Luthor from a parallel universe, and then we both punch ourselves in the head because we have got to do another flashback Can you episode. imagine? <laughs> no, that was fine. I mean, I, I enjoyed doing that. It's interesting, and I think it's worth doing because it's another twist on the old 
parallel world and a hero meeting a different version of himself. Yes. You know, we've done a mm-hmm. few versions of these already. There's been the other Hal, but there's been the... Uh, this uh, this count, I think, has been 300 million Wonder Woman stories when she's met <laughs> different versions of herself. <laughs> uh, it's it's not a parallel universe, but it has a lot of the tropes of a lot of the stories that we've already covered uh-huh. that dealt with, you know, other versions of Earth and of the heroes. And it is very much a Supergirl-driven story, although Superman's in it. He doesn't actually meet his counterpart. Oh, that's right, neither he does. Not quite the Superman and Marvel Man. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, So it's all Supergirl-focused and Marvel-made-focused. It's really, you know, it's an interesting take on that, because usually the idea would be that everyone kind of meets, but it's it's weird. But I just love how they're just casually in their own fortresses, just watching (laughs) the other ones in the fortress. On their space televisions, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and also the instantaneous space travel they seem to be able to do. That's right. Because it's literally, you know, Marvel made reappears yeah. just as they're finishing off with the bridge. And that was hilarious. What, that was just like bump straight. I there. love the fact oh. that you know there was no no delay on the signal of the transmissions or whatever that they were receiving. It always seemed of to be course. happening simultaneously. Yep. Kryptonian technology for you, listeners. It's amazing. It's amazing. And subterranean technology yeah. as well. I'm fascinated by that whole subterranean thing because how did they evolve and build and do all that sort of that city? You know, did they mm-hmm. did they move underground? You know, there's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. And of course, that's a thing that DC Comics comes back to uh, time and time again. They've got adventures with Cave Carson and underground dwellers. Obviously, we've got the whole Warlord series, which is with Scartarus. Of course, which is completely ripped off from Edgar Rice Burroughs, let's be honest. Totally, yes. Homage. Yes, homage. that's a much kinder word. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Mike Grell, if you're listening. So yeah, lots of fun to be had in this two-part. A lot happens in it. Yes. Uh, for such a silly kind of throwaway story, a lot happens in it. And it is nice to have a two-parter from this period because most of them were one and yeah. done. Yeah. Interestingly, as, as we said at the beginning, the story before this was a Dimension X story, which wasn't really. Mm-hmm. I think the story after this one, if I remember rightly, is a Lois as Superwoman story, which again we talked about yes. her, uh, before the Crime Syndicate yes. uh, episode. She gets Superman's powers in it. That's that's a perfect point, Peter. Mentioning the Road to the Crime Syndicate episode, not only have we discovered that there was a Supergirl of two worlds and all that sort of stuff, a friend of mine, Greg, who I used to work with many years ago, sent me some old issues of Lois Lane in the post very recently, and issue 97 featured the return of one of the, the sort of superwomen that we talked about in that episode oh, of our okay. podcast. It was the one where we talked about Supergirl as a matchmaker and there was a sort of superwoman equivalent, another alliterative LL-named lady called Luma Liney. And she pops back in a story called The Three Super Sirens, and it turns out it's not actually her, it's someone impersonating her. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, it's the same costume, it's the same character, so it's interesting that she had another appearance. Again, this is something Uh else that that we became aware of after we'd actually done that episode, so this is good that we're we're having these moments where we can recap as we've discovered a little bit more about the stuff that we've talked about. It all adds flavour to it, so there we are, it's exciting. Sadly, we don't have any reader reaction to these stories. There's not really much in the letter columns at the time. But we have had some nice feedback ourselves. So we got a lovely message on Facebook from a listener, Mark Tensmere, who says, Hi, David and Peter. I absolutely Thank love you, your Mark. podcast. Cheers, Mark. Keep it up. <laughs> we intend to. I'm a big Earth 2 fan, and I've collected in the original comics or trade reprints all the, what I call, main stories, the JSA, GLA team-ups, all-Star Comics, All-Star Squadron, Infinity Inc., Brave and Bold, Showcase, and DC Comics Presents Earth 2 issues. But you guys found so many more I wasn't aware of. Uh, you guys stay on topic and the episodes are very well researched. Oh, thanks very much. The episode in Flash 117 with the Roy Thomas letters blew me away. Well, it blew us away too, Mark, I'll be honest. <laughs> it really did. It is great. We, we really did enjoy that little bit of myth-busting yeah. that the, the three dimwits were the first guys to make a, <laughs> a comeback. 
and Roy's championing of them is great. And then he, he goes on to mention a couple of stories that uh, we are going to be covering later on. He just wanted to make sure they were on our radar, and yes, they are. Mm-hmm. I won't say what they are because obviously it was spoilers for the future. But that, so just like to reiterate to everyone uh, that if you come across a story that you think is a bit more obscure, please get in touch with us, uh, just in case it isn't uh, something that we've uh, that we've managed to discover on our journey. Yeah, we want to be as complete as possible and give you the listener the best experience. And you know, we want to cover absolutely everything within a remit of of parallel earths and you know legacy characters from the golden age. So yeah, please, if you come across anything you think might be a bit obscure, let us know. Absolutely, and, and don't be shy because we, we are not claiming to be absolute authorities and all this. You know, we did a lot a lot of work and a lot of preparation before we started recording and releasing the episodes. And we're obviously still researching like there was the other yes. day I noticed um an issue of Superman Family which had a baddie which had the same name as a future member of the All Star Squadron. Yes. So that's you know something we didn't anticipate doing and we'll be we'll be covering that. Mm-hmm. As Peter says, if if something pops up on your radar that even if you, you just want to share it with us and say that you're looking forward to it or ask us if we know about it, please do and then we'll check it out and we'll see if it falls in. Because again, Jonathan last helped us out with um Green Lantern's wedding day. So, you know, we're indebted to him for that. Thanks a lot to Mark for, for writing us in. It made us really, really feel appreciated and that people are, are getting what we're trying to do. And that means an awful lot. Yes. My good pal Steve Higgins gave us some, some feedback on our coverage of one particular sequence when we did JLA issue 38, the hurricane sequence. So Steve said some very kind things about the way we, we dealt with that. So thank you, Steve. God you bless are. you. And it's really easy to get in touch with us. You can email us at the Earth 2 podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can message us on Facebook like Mark did. Uh, we are at the Earth 2 Podcast on Facebook. We also put up lots of bonus material there as well, including some highlighted panels from the issues and related material. We're also at the Earth 2 Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. We are at podcast underscore Earth 2. So follow us on social media and you will find lots of bonus material there. It's not just us talking at you. There's plenty more we can give you visually. Yep. Lots of stuff, you know, to give you a bit more extra context and hopefully hopefully a bit more of a rounder appreciation of the stories that we're talking about. So, yeah, so don't be shy. Come along to the social media, say hello. We'll be glad to hear from you. So that wraps up this episode. I've been Peter. And I've been David. And you've been listening to... The, the Earth, Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. The first of the two stories we're going to look at... It's a two-part story, really. We're going to look at... The story from Action Comics 272. 272? <laughs> I've invented a new way of speaking. Good grief.